You guys are awesome. We love having you here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. But did you know that we're actually part of a larger network? You find us on The Urban Conservative or TUConservative.com. TUConservative.com is a conglomerate of a bunch of different shows and podcasts. You've got our show, Two Americas. You've got the twins show, The Urban Conservative. You've got David Hensley's show, The Hensley Report. And of course, you've got Freedom Talk with Clarence Henderson. So if you want to see more of this swirl, you got to get behind the paywall. $10 a year. It's basically ceremonial, honestly. You guys aren't making us rich. You're just making it possible. So if you want to contribute to people like us, to freedom fighters, to content creators, to the merchandise and all the other options and all the other bloggers and contributors that are on the way in the future, give us that small, measly amount of money and you can forward our ideological battle to the moon. Anyway, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Come here. Seriously, get lost. We need a moment. What's up, guys? Welcome to Two Americas. I'm Zynga. And I'm Scott. And we are the conservative, conservative couple. couple. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to 2022. Right? Mm. It's another year. We survived. I haven't seen you since last year. It's been a while. How you doing, friend? <laughs> what on earth? Well, you know, we did miss you guys. That's why we produced the extravagans over the uh, the holiday doldrums, so that at least during that week there was something to watch. And then we uh, we did our little vlog oh, yes. for the first I, week. I totally forgot. I put it out and I forgot about it. And we made a huge mistake. We showed everybody actually what our arsenal is. Oh, we didn't show them the full arsenal, baby. Right. We didn't show them fully what we're working with. Yes. Yes, that's what we'll go with. And uh, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want the federal government knowing exactly what I bought. And then I realized that everything has serial numbers. So they already know. Unless we have a 3D printer, which hmm, we're not going to be able to produce any ghost guns. We should. Mm. Well, I wanted to just, you know, start this new year off with um, a bit of a question. What the heck happened over the last two years? Bruh. All right, we're obviously still in the middle of it. We're clearly in clown world still. I mean, yeah. But I think enough people have woken up mm -hmm. or at least are aware that things are going awry that they're starting to ask questions. And so our big question to our audience starting off this new season is what happened in the last two years and what is mass formation psychosis? Ooh, topic of the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, now this one's a hot topic because of, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Joe Rogan, the famous podcaster, hosted a Dr. Robert Malone on his podcast. Now this was controversial because Malone has basically been maligned by the scientific community and the powers that be mm -hmm. for his anti-vax quote-unquote stance. Now, this guy is not exactly just some talking head who happens to wear a white coat. The reason that this is substantial and interesting to a lot of people was because Malone is actually in arguably responsible for coming up with the mRNA research that made the vaccine possible right. in the first place. Right. So this isn't exactly just some dunce who happens to do like, I don't know, rheumatoid arthritis research or something. This is the guy who literally may be responsible for making this vaccine even possible. Well, don't dump on those guys. No, no. I'm just saying out of context, right? It's like an ophthalmologist making a commentary about a podiatrist's work. You right. Know, they're completely different disciplines. But in this case, this guy is entirely relevant. Mm -hmm. And he went on the podcast and it was, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast is long. It's long. For him. It's so like we'll, three hours. Yeah, three hours and some change. Mm -hmm. And this guy spit some fire. 
I mean, he called out the government. He called out the CDC. For as much as a nerdy guy can. Right. And he was making the um, the claim that, you know, what we're experiencing right now is very similar to 1920s Germany, where he believes that everybody kind of collectively lost their minds. And he yeah. points out that a lot of the people who um, were the most susceptible were the intelligentsia and the academics. Mm. And that the doctors were some of the leading you know, cause behind some of the insanity that, you know, led to the Holocaust and, you know, the war and everything like so that. So like the gatekeepers of these big industries. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's, and I think that a lot of people resonated with that message because they're seeing a lot of modern day parallels, right? Right. And, um, well, we got 2021, you know, um, you know, I inconsistent medical advice, um, open lying by many important agencies like the CDC and WHO, uh, flip-flopping by Fauci from the beginning. All these um, the, these uh, medical pharmaceutical companies became billionaires and even even more Walmart you know, people. You know, and um, yeah, some of the most powerful people. CEOs and stuff, yeah. Various countries having to step down due to, you know, conspiratorial behind-the-scenes relationships to push the vaccine in mm -hmm. their own countries and to keep mandates going. So <laughs> everybody in the entire world has got their eyes on this thing. And one scientist, one of the guys who actually was responsible for the research necessary to produce the current vaccine is getting out there and he's speaking out against it. Mm -hmm. He's speaking out against the mandates. He thinks it's unwise to give this to everybody in this manner. So wait, he thinks it's unwise to shut down economies? <laughs> Imagine that. So naturally this guy, this got him booted off of all the major platforms, um, including I believe LinkedIn knocked him off. Twitter. Um, Twitter and all that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But the interesting thing is, is that the, the scrutiny that he was under caused Joe Rogan's podcast to get millions and millions of views. It became one of the most retweeted things on the internet. He was trending for a couple of days on Twitter, even though he wasn't even there anymore. And a lot of people started using that buzzword, mass formation psychosis, right? And look, I, I could have told you this back in 2019. And I think we did talk about this in 2020 and 2019. Yeah, but... but I mean, 2021. <laughs> but what, you know, like, I, it's not that hard to see if you're actually paying attention and if you're kind of like a newsaholic like I am. You kind of figure stuff out after a while. You just digest enough news. You see how the left operates. You see how the right operates. You see how the political game is played. You, you watch kind of how people operate and what they lie about and what they don't. And you can kind of figure out a pattern. You can't be right about everything, but you kind of figure something out. And I pretty much predicted how this whole two-year process was going to mm -hmm. go. I'm not patting myself on the back for it. I wish I was wrong. but That's okay. I will. When you have something – yeah, there you go. Thank you. All right. Good ego stroke. But then when you have somebody <laughs> like this who mm -hmm. is – you know, he knows the insider baseball. He literally made the baseball yep. in a way, manner of speaking. Mm -hmm. Going out there and saying, this is bad news, folks. What's going on is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's corrupt. Everything's twisted. Pfizer's a super corrupt core organization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody's just like, delete him. Remove him from the Twitter it makes the plebes, the normies, kind of perk up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And no matter how hard they try to censor these folks and to spin it, people are starting to ask this question, what is mass formation psychosis? Why did he bring that up? Why does that resonate so much with me? Why is that setting off my spidey senses, right? Do you think that it changed a lot of people's minds who were um, under that psychosis? Like people who may have watched our show last year and been like, these people are, they just, they're they don't believe that it's real. They are against masks. I can't believe these two people. That's Do you think question. those people watched Joe Rogan's podcast and went, ooh, listen, maybe I've been wrong? Listen, if you're one of those folks out there who listens to us and you think we're a little off or we're a little too right wing or a little too crazy about some of our opinions, but you've experienced a bit of a sea change in your own heart, you've kind of seen how things have been going and you've decided like, eh, your opinions have kind of wavered on some things. Feel free to DM us or shoot us an email. We won't we won't put you out yeah. there. You can do it anonymously. We don't care. But 
be honest and just tell us like what opinions or what has happened in as of the new year or the last few months that has changed your mind about some of your deeply held beliefs on this subject. Because what I've noticed is, is that at least with my neighbors, Mm -hmm. um, who are pretty center left, typical liberals, a lot of them have started getting real suspicious of all the mandates and everything as a result of Omicron. They've Mm -hmm. noticed that it doesn't seem like the vaccine is giving them the protection they were promised. They're kind of of scants and doesn't the, seem. Yeah, they're not really they're not really it's, sold on the boosters, and a lot of them don't want to get it because they're concerned about the possible health risks of getting the booster. Given that the vaccine that they were promised hasn't been giving them the protection that they felt like they deserved, mm-hmm. and they've also started getting a little bit bitter. They're starting to say things like, "Well, we did we did what we were told. We masked up the kids. We even masked them up when they were playing outside, which I always thought was a little silly, but whatever." You know, we did. We were, we were good little boys and girls. This is an actual quote. We were good little boys and girls, and I feel like we got coal in our stocking. This was a direct quote from one of my liberal neighbors. Also, the fact that it came from a grown person's mouth is a little bit concerning. <laughs> right. I mean, like you, you become like when you're a child, you you, you get that like because I told you so. Mm-hmm. And adults normally don't really take the time, and so you just kind of have to listen at that point because you're as dumb as a box of rocks and you don't know anything. The stove is hot. You just see something glowing, and you're like, I think I want to touch that. You're an idiot. You don't know anything. But when you're 40, 50, 30 older and you buy into people lying to you, you don't have enough discernment or enough of a BS detector to be like, um, they're promising stuff, but I don't think it's going to pay off. I mean, you gotta be like a, like a real sheeple. I mean, I like, I'm not the smartest sharp cookie. (laughs) I don't have all my French fries, especially. (laughs) This analogy doesn't make sense. Please continue. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't have all my cookies in the jar and French fries in the French fry basket. Did you take your vitamins this morning? (laughs) you take your memory vitamins? Hey, I'm doing it on purpose. And and no, I didn't. Um, (laughs) But even I could see and kind of, um, I guess, foresee that this is all a big lie. And this is is way overboard. The first time, the first time, like, I got furloughed, furloughed. For, help me, please. Furloughed. Furloughed. Jeez, furloughed. I got furloughed. Make you eat those vitamins. <laughs> I got furloughed. And I remember driving in the car on the way home, and maybe I was listening to the radio or something, and I was just hearing about this. Like, they were they were like, yeah, the grocery store is going to be shut down. You better get water. You better get this. You better get toilet paper. Uh, I remember I being remember in the that. car and being like, holy crap, am I going to live through, like, the Spanish flu or the, the Black Plague? And I remember being like, <gasps> and then I had to stop myself. I was like, no, you're not going to live in fear. Even if it is that, you walking around scared and paranoid helps nothing. And, and grown people, grown A people, just swallow and drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a very different reaction to all of this. I kind of when I saw that there was a virus and when I saw that it was going to be everywhere and that it had already started spreading out of Seattle, um, I did the math and I realized that my mother and I were like COVID zero patients. Like we were some of the original infected. And but you're the, not Chinese. And the, I know, right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but the, But I looked at everything that was happening surrounding the pandemic and I knew instantly that this was either something that was not as bad as they say it, they said it was and they were harnessing it for political purposes and they were going to do xyz and I could kind of map it out or it was pretty bad and they were trying to cover it up and when I weighed those two things mm-hmm. and I looked at all the evidence I realized that it was probably more a than b I, I was like the same thing I was like listen like if you get something that's this terrible that it justifies re, you know altering the entire world economy changing everybody's lifestyle 
everybody has to permanently wear masks and that sort of thing. You better be talking about like outbreak level bad. Like I mean, Ebola. it better be like leprosy. Yeah, you've got to have people like walking around with smallpox and like turning into goo on the streets. If like, my arm don't fall off because yeah. of this disease, it ain't that serious. Yeah, now, and I'm a person that went through cancer, so I'm being funny. So relax. You know, it, it just, the evidence wasn't there for me. And so I assumed that all of this was being harnessed for nefarious purposes. This is what I thought. I thought if it is as serious as they're pretending, they wouldn't tell us if it was that serious. Like if people were dropping like flies, they wouldn't be like, people are dropping like flies because it would create chaos. We'd either, be in like madman territory. Either that or they would have clamped down really hard at a, as a reflex action. And then that would have turned into just absolute unrest. Mm -hmm. You know, they send in the National Guard. They give you limited information. They say, yeah. don't stay in your homes. And you've got spotlights on every street with a dude with a Humvee and an MG, you know, like a machine gun. Like people would have flipped out. and We would have gone China if it was that serious. Yeah. And you would have had people getting welded into their houses and that sort of thing because it was a genuine danger. But the problem is... Well, is, people apparently in other countries that actually did happen to people, I think mainly China, um, but... But they do you that can't for really, everything. I was going to say, you can't really use them as a gauge They'll weld that. you in your house if you say something about Xi Jinping. Exactly. I mean, so they're, they're just like, dude, there's just a dude with a welder that's literally his whole job. He's a government official and he gets like health care and like benefits and stuff. And his whole job is just to weld people in their house every time anybody says anything. But that's what I'm saying is like, <laughs> we can't use them as, we're using America as a gauge. Mm -hmm. And I guess Europe a little bit. But anyhow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been insane. And I think the insanity itself was the dead giveaway for me that all this was a crock of bleep. Mm -hmm. Like... There's obviously a COVID, SARS-2, coronavirus going around there, right? It mm -hmm. exists. There are obviously people who are dying from it or having really nasty symptoms of it. What I am trying to explain to everybody and what Z and I are making and poking fun at is the response to it. Never in human history have we locked down healthy people for the sake of protecting people who may get sick. We have had diseases throughout the course of human history that have either destroyed whole populations and there was literally nothing we could do except attempt to contain it usually ineffectively if you look back and you look at the you know like the diseases that went through rome the various plagues that they had twice they they didn't have an answer for it all they could do was see people that they thought were infected throw them all in a house together hope they died and hope it didn't spread and then burn it and it didn't help much still about a third of the population died in europe and similar diseases that have swept through populations just simply do what they're going to do until they either modify and turn into something that's very infectious but has a lower lethality rate and turns into an endemic, endemic disease. And this is what the Supreme Court lately has been <clears throat> arguing about is uh, Amy Coney Barrett actually brought this up, uh, Supreme Court Justice. When do we call this thing endemic, mm -hmm. right? At a certain point, we have to accept that Omicron's here to stay, right? That this is the, the non-lethal sort of fluey version of this thing. That's just going to hit you every season. You can take a shot or not. We need to be adults about this and accept that we're not going to live in this testing culture. But anyway, I digress. Can I just say one point? I think it also proved how selfish and um, how much people think that they are godlike in our society. I mean, the selfishness, first of all, uh, you know, we, we sacrifice the, the young people meaning like their their well-being and we made the mask up and now we're giving children vaccines when they don't really get it and then they don't really transmit it. And like the science doesn't really right. back up the need for it. So there's a lot of things that prove that America is very, very selfish. On top of that, it also proves that Americans and even, even Christians, even religious people, we put way too much stock in this life. Mm -hmm. So if you don't think that there's an afterlife, like if we had a bunch of kids and we had to go out there and 
kill some deer and then we just throw it in the house so that they can uh, eat and we taught them how to do all this, you know, whatever. Like, but it, if we know that they could die from the virus, we'd be willing so that they can live to go out there and expose ourselves rather than them dying. That's the, right. the gist of what I'm trying to say. And it's it, American adults, for the most part, are not willing to do that. And I think part of that is because we put way too much stock in this life be, because we no longer believe in an afterlife. Like I think people go to church because of cultural reasons and maybe they even cry and they feel goosebumps or whatever. But your actions did not show that you don't live in fear. Your actions don't show that you believe in, in eternity. And your actions don't show that, yeah, you know, you had someone lay down their life for you and make sure that you're fed and and become a, mem- a good member of society and all that jazz. But you're not going to do it for the next generation. So we're teaching a whole generation of children to be afraid. We're teaching a generation of working aged young people that they don't have to work because they can just get uh, checks from the government. We're, I mean, we're, we've become a, like a fearful yeah. country. And I think mainly it's because if there's so many things that are out of our control. Like we can't control a disease like that. Like we just can't. We proved it. We proved it this time we can't. Joe Biden basically said there's no there's no solution at a federal level. He's going to kick it back to the states. And he's right. There's and nothing we can do. On, he ran on the promise that he was going to shut down the pandemic. He ran know? on the promise that he had a plan and he didn't. So we put our trust in, I think we're going to talk about this later, but we put so much trust in and stock in this life and people and technology. And that's, and that's where our transition takes yeah. place, right? So we wanted to introduce, obviously, what you're all fully aware of, which was the insanity of 2021 and 2020 as well, I would say. And as we have this new year coming around, it doesn't seem like Clown World's lessening up. The honking is still ringing in our ears. What do we do moving forward now that we've hopefully learned some lessons? Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to talk about. What did you learn from 2021? Um, and I think Zynga has made a fantastic intro to that, um, that you cannot trust any of the institutions anymore. Mm-mm. That's It's an unfortunate thing, too, because for me, I've always been a natural kind of uh, skeptic. I've always been very cynical. And even I went through a phase of very, very nihilistic, where I just thought everything was broken. But that modified, I think, also hormones. When you're a teenager, you get grumpy. You know, you just you just want to listen to angry rock music and sit there and brood because the world's so unfair. But you grow out of that, hopefully. And I did. And so I started looking at things a little more critically and realizing that there are actually a lot of things out there that work pretty well. I mean, Western civilization's done a darn good job getting as far as it has. But what I've seen is, is that 2021 to me took the mask off of everything and I realized that the the clowns behind all of this or the monsters behind all of this have just been there all along and they have just had cover run for them for decades. You know, like looking at every institution fail us repeatedly and watching the media lie to our face so mm-hmm. brazenly. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that really broke me was when I saw all of these major publications around the world saying that the Black Lives Matter protests were a matter of public health and therefore were not subject to the same mandates as everyone else. And when I saw that, that was enough for me. Nothing else needed to be said. Not no, no scientist could convince me otherwise. No uh, trusted political figure on the right or the left. Even religious people, if they told me mask up and that sort of thing, I would have told them F you because that alone revealed the lie. It was that simple for me. Mm-hmm. And you can make these kinds of connections, I think. Uh, I don't know. What were some of the biggest takeaways for you? Um, I think when they came out, I don't know if it was this, if it was last year or if it was 2020, but even still, uh, the recovery rate. Um, when they 
came out with it. And it was ninety nine point nine seven, I think. Yeah. And um, right after my last treatment, I had, I had myself a cigar and I went to a place downtown and I just like sat there and they had live music and it was like really like smooth, neat, like um, jazz or uh, R and B. And I just enjoyed myself that evening. And these people all of a sudden wanted to sit with me and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, there was this Indian couple. One of them came up. And was like, oh, we want to sit with you guys. You guys are like you're having fun. Fine, okay. And um, nobody was wearing masks. We weren't ma- wearing masks. And the female of the Indian couple said, um, can I sit with you guys? And she's like, well, um, like, oh, I've been vaccinated. Just letting you know. We're like, okay, fine. And she says, have you guys been vaccinated? And me and this white lady were sitting next to each other because she was complaining about her ex-husband. And we were talking. And she says, she says uh, we both went like that. Like, mm-hmm. like recoiled a little yep. bit, and because you, because you're just like, I, I really want to relax tonight. I don't want to fight. I don't want to go tit for tat with facts and stuff like that. I just want to smoke my cigar and drink my drink and, and have a fun time. Right. Anyway, um, and she's, we were both like, no. At the same time, like girding our loins for a fight, and she was like, oh, why not? And then the white lady and me at the same time go. Because it's a ninety nine point nine seven percent survival rate or recovery rate, and she's like, "Yeah, I guess you're right." It sat down and it had a great time with us, and I'm like, "This is stupid. People don't think about things." And so, like the the amount of people that don't think, it has been amazing to me, and the amount the amount of people that wanted it to be real online. Like I didn't get into a lot of arguments um, in 2020 for obvious reasons and then focusing on you. I don't have, like, it's not fun anymore. I'd rather be with you. So <laughs> like I didn't fight a lot, but the the amount of arguments that I saw and times people tried to get into arguments with me, it's like they wanted COVID to be killing people. Yeah, They wanted people to be dead because it just validated something in them. Like I still don't fully understand. You see that a lot on Twitter. You see the mm-hmm. kind of the 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 eagerness or the glee with which they would see people die of COVID, especially if they were a semi-prominent yeah. figure, especially if they were a religious figure. Yeah. Oh, they loved it. Anytime a pastor died of COVID or something like that, they would just. Not like, like when Herman McCain, ew. Yeah. like when, when Herman McCain died and he was old and, you know, was dealing with some other stuff. He died of COVID. It's like, they were excited. Not like I was, um, somebody was arguing about Ron DeSantis or someone made a TikTok, this like liberal kid on TikTok was was bashing Ron DeSantis because his wife was at an event and she's going through chemo. Right. And she didn't have a mask on. And he's like, how dare he drag her to that event? Blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, first of all, maybe she said, no, I'm going. Secondly, he probably tried to convince her to stay home and rest and she probably didn't want to. If she's his wife, she's probably a tough cookie. Secondly, I commented and was like, I just went through chemo. I don't know what kind of chemo she's going through. I don't know a whole lot about chemo. But the la- when I was feeling well, the last thing I wanted to do was put a mask on and then stay at home. You almost never wore a mask even when you had cancer. No, because – and then I wanted to be with my friends. Yeah. Like there's more to life than just living it, like literally your heart just beating. That's what's amazing to me. It's like people have no real value for life and friends. So they just – last year, like they just – had close family members, their sons, their nephews, and they were like, you eat outside and we'll eat here. It's just weird stuff that people were willing to do. It's just bizarre. You know, like I made this post and, you know, I don't think um, a lot of people liked it very much because it got me some backlash, but I basically said that this entire thing, when it comes to the way that people are reacting to COVID in society and your everyday lives, it's revealing the monsters and the people who were good to begin with. It's showing people for the petty little tyrants they always were, Mm -hmm. for the secret desires that they held down deep in their heart, but they weren't socially acceptable. 
the neuroticism, the controlling nature of certain people. It just brought all of the bad qualities to the forefront and we started celebrating it. The government basically sanctified it, you know, turned it into something almost like an act of worship. So the more character deficiencies you had that you were suppressing for the sake of blending in and not being socially censured were now being celebrated. So if you were a bit of a tyrant, a bit of a bully, a bit of a hypochondriac, suddenly you are now the coolest person in the room and you have authority. You have the media, you have the government, they've got your back. So if you're a wait, an angry waitress who is not particularly happy with what's going on in her personal life and she's got bitterness and all this other stuff going on in her heart, well, now she's got this little bit of power that she can wield. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a troll with a bridge. Oh, yeah, that happens so, a lot. And so that's what I like to tell people is I'm like, watch out for the trolls because they've all got bridges now. They've got something to guard. And that just brought all of those people out and revealed them to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And what really disappointed me, and this is something that I learned that I think almost broke me there for a couple months last year in particular was how many people I thought were on my side mm-hmm. or I thought were courageous or I thought would at least stand up to this kind of thing and didn't mm-hmm. or worse actually caved to it. And mm-hmm. that really made me reshape what I what I thought about when it came to heroes, when it came to public figures, when it came to people in government, when it came to people in the church. Um, in a way it was fascinating because it really was a giant sifting mechanism last year. Mm -hmm. Everything that happened really sifted out the wheat from the chaff. And I think what almost broke me was the reality that it was like almost all chaff. Mm -hmm. Like there were very few people who rose as the cream of the crop, so to speak. I mean, and for to be a Christian, like you don't have to know everything there is to know about COVID. You don't have to know everything there is to know about a vaccine. You don't have to know everything and read every article and every study and all that stuff. That's not necessarily what it's about when you talk about the wheat and the chaff. Because I was, I've been more disappointed with the Christians um, that I've I've been around than I have sure, everybody else. Sure, because you hold else. them to a higher standard. I hold right? them to a higher standard because the Bible commands us to not live in fear. It commands us to be bold and be courageous. It commands us to. Sorry about the. His mic is uh, twisting and turning, but you sound good. Hey, works for me. I hope. Um, but it commands us to preach the gospel. It commands us to make disciples. It commands us to do these things that require us to be in the world and not hide away. You know, I had this conversation with my dad when the pandemic first started and they started instituting the mask mandates. Ooh, hey, your hands are cold. And, you know, the first thing he did was he explained to me, and I already knew this, but I mean, you, you know, my dad, he can't help himself once he gets going. You know, he educated me he on- got it honest how PPE works, how it works when you're mm-hmm. in like a, you know, a life-saving profession, whether you're like a healthcare professional or in his case, um, you know, emergency EMT for a fire department, that kind of thing. And you go all out, you know, they, they, they take you into a special facility. They pressure seal these masks to your face to make sure that they have specially custom fitted ones for you when they think there's a real pandemic on, coming. And they have all these protocols. You can't use the mask more than a couple of times. And if you do, you have to clean it a special way. And even then it's compromised all these sorts of things. And he knew all of that because he's dealt with it before. He was a fireman in Los Angeles during like four different types of outbreaks, whether it was Zika or H1N1, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he already had played this game. And when he looked at the data on, you know, coronavirus, first thing he did was dismiss it based on the survival rate. He's like, well, this thing's not that dangerous. I don't care. 
I've, I've walked through fire and melted bodies. What do I care about a possible disease that can make it hard to breathe? Like, I don't care. I'm not afraid. And then on top of that, he's like, the response to it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, we're all just supposed to put dirty rags over our face, never clean them, and just breathe our own tailpipes for, you know, in- indefinitely. Do you know how many girls had a mask for when they don't have makeup on and when they do? And the mask that when they don't, when they were, were, were wearing makeup, it looked like cake. It looked like icing Probably on cake. Probably looked like a dirty diaper after I had a, a while. No, well, I guess if they're black. <clears throat> but I had a friend that was like, yeah, this, this is... Because <laughs> brown makeup. I get it, but still. <laughs> uh, I had a friend that had a mask for both, for like several different situations depending on what she did with her face. Yeah, and you know, he was he he, he recognized early on that this was stupid, but then he said, he's like... So many months later, a year later, I'm still seeing people drive around in their car with a cloth mask on. And he's like, he's like, you can chalk that up to a lot of things. He's like, every conservative pundit and questioner or truth seeker out there has already made a point about this. He's like, my point is, is that this is a spirit of fear. This is cowardice. Yeah. He's like, there are too many cowards. He's like, my dad wouldn't have gone along with this. He's like, he's like, my dad's not the smartest guy in the world. He's like, he's not even a Christian. But his generation would have seen all this and been like, F you. I don't want to comply with that. It's inconvenient. I don't care. I'm gonna I'm a big boy, I'll take care of myself. If I get the COVID, whatevs. You know? He said, he's like, there's this generation is so wussified that they'll do things like that without being ashamed. And he said, it grosses him out as a man to see this many men who are so openly wussified. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I just don't understand the men anymore. That spirit of fear, that cowardice. It's crazy. And he's like, you know, and and the way he sees it is, is that he sees it as a spiritual thing. It's kind of like you mentioned. He's like, I'm seeing a bunch of people who are really afraid to die. And one of the grossest things about it, and this is my personal take on it, not my father's, is that this is one of the first times in human history that we have sacrificing the young to protect the old. That's what I was saying, yeah. Right? The, you know, our normal instincts of human patterns of behavior throughout the eons has always been you procreate, the family unit protects and nurtures the young, they sacrifice for them, they fight wars for them, the parents are willing to go out into the snow, to use your analogy, to get the, you know, fight off the wolves and to get fire and to get a deer skin and to make sure that the kids are all right and to, you know, divvy up the resources. Now we've got an entire generation that was using the rhetoric early on. You remember this for a year, you know, grandma killer. Yep. It was all about protecting grandma. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's a 99.97 survival rate. If it saves even one life, one grandma, right? What about the immunocompromised, this, that, or the other? And they're tweeting as they're getting an abortion. Right. And, it, <laughs> and, and it's the same type of people who would willingly slay their children so long as they occupied this space as opposed to this space, right? And I'm pointing to my stomach here. Um, and, and there's clearly something I think really evil in all of this, but we have to think about this. Even if you're not religious, like Z and I are, you have to think about the next generation of humanity. You have to have a more big picture mindset about this. We have become a generation of cowards where the men don't protect their families, Mm -hmm. where they're scared of the air and they're doing ineffectual, stupid gestures to protect themselves from this thing. And even if they get it, it's really not a big risk to them. But they're using the rhetoric of, oh, we're protecting the old and the immunocompromised, so therefore we, all of these mandates, all these unfair tyrannical practices and all this destruction is therefore justified in order to protect the old. Mm-hmm. Your job is to protect the young. 
The old should be the first people to throw themselves on the grenade, proverbially speaking. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you talk to most of these greatest generation types who actually gave a damn about their kids, they would say, I would rather spend time with my children and risk getting killed prematurely by this disease than to spend it alone in some hospice or some hospital on a ventilator isolated from everybody by a bunch of plastic sheets. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have said that. Mm -hmm. But we've now got the like the middle generation, you know, the adults who are saying, no, grandpa, you stay there. It's for your own good. You die alone. That's that's the right thing to do. And then they're telling their kids, double mask at school. We don't want you breathing any air. It's mm -hmm. insanity. Mm -hmm. And it goes against every evolutionary instinct, even if you don't want to go with the, the parental paradigm that allegedly comes from God, as we would believe. Even if you just go with natural human instinct and behavior, it goes against everything. It's completely anti-human. I was going to say that it's anti-human and it's very odd because it goes against our nature. And our nature is to create, is to procreate and keep the, the, um, the, the, the race alive. Right. And, you know, this goes to kind of, kind of our final point for today is um, we've noticed something about this and that the, the pandemic has created a weird ethic. And we call it the pandemic work ethic, the PWE the not aka no work work ethic at all we've yeah and you and you brought this up sort of quickly in your intro but i mean maybe maybe it varies from county to county or state to state or even city to city right yeah but we live in a blue city and we live in a place that's pretty popular and populous populous right. you can't go to fast food anymore it's not an option uh it, the quality sucks the food is inconsistent no one cares they're rude Everything's overpriced, and frankly, half the time, stuff's not available. Or there's no staff at all. You can't order pizza. Um, half the time, the websites don't even connect to the location, so you can't even order online anymore. And if you do call them, they outsource their calls to Indian call centers because they don't have the ability to answer the phone, I now, suppose. Now, this doesn't come from an article he read on the Daily This Wire. is personal experience. Yeah, so, like he told me the other day, like, I'm so hungry and I tried to order a pizza, but I couldn't do it online. And I've been at your house where you ordered pizza yep. online on your computer. So it, it has worked. Even the, the delivery guy knew you and Wilbur, mm -hmm. uh, Wilbur the Corgi. So it's like, okay, I've seen it happen. And then you're like, all of a sudden you couldn't. And then, you, okay, I guess I'll call him. And then he was like, hello, how do you, do you want them? I can't do it. Anyway. Yeah, so it's do like, it. What this is Domino's? Thank you for calling. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's like so it's like with the accents. It's like oh, we got more <laughs> Indian guys working at the local Domino's. No, I'm in Bangalore. Like, oh, oh. This is a call center. So what would you like to order? Okay. I'm like oh wow, they're outsourcing you all the way over there. Was it midnight over there? It is one a.m. Asians, man, you know? they're just taking over. So you know, you, you, so I'm starting to see this, but not just in the fast food industry, right? Like hey, you know what? Maybe that's God's way of telling me eat less ordered pizza from Domino's, right? It isn't the greatest pizza in the world. It's convenient. It's fast. It's gross. Fine. Yes, please, because my dream is washboard abs and my honeymoon. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe 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 you're doing me a favor by screwing over the customer service industry. However, what I'm also seeing is that this is happening across industries. It's happening. It's happening at auto shops. It's happening at anything where there's a customer service component has gone completely off the rails. People are rude. They're dismissive. Um, I went and I got my um, my brakes checked and I had my tires replaced from you know a pretty upstanding business nearby. They literally closed 90 minutes early without informing any of their clients. They didn't call me. They didn't text me. So I arrived well within business hours. And the guy was just sitting out front. And he basically just gave me this look like, I ain't going inside and turn the computer back on so you can get your car. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. 90 minutes before. Mm. And this is just, again, these are anecdotes. But I'm sure that you've experienced this in your own lives is that it just seems like people are giving up. And so all the things that kind of made society run and made life convenient and made the Western world what it is with all of its perks is kind of slowly going out the window. 
what's sad too is that you'll go to a place and it'll be like two people working and those two people look like they care. At least they look like they care, but they just can't keep up with the sheer amount of numbers that they have. And so the service is really slow and they're apologizing a lot, but you're like, oh, I got I got things to do. Like you, you can't sit there and wait for an hour for your food or whatever. I'm, this happened to us the other night. We tried to go to uh, another place nearby and they literally just had four people in there just kind of doof, goofing off. Um, I don't know if we should use the name of the business, but... I'll bleep it. Mod Pizza is one of those chains. Oh, I don't care. They're owned by a corporation. But yeah, we went in there and the the, the employees literally just jabber-jawed and kind of ignored everybody and there was a huge line for and them. And they were moving slow. So we had to walk out. you know. It was, And then the same thing happened to me and a coworker when we went into another fast food restaurant on a job over here nearby. We uh, literally, they gave us a look. And then they would just walk back and handle the drive-thru. And then they just kept looking at us. And five minutes went by and we said, our kid, clearly they don't want our business. We went to Wendy's mm-hmm. and the same thing happened. Yep. They they were standing there like it was this really, I mean, I could fit in him. I mean, he was massive. I could <laughs> fit was in a him big boy. at least three times. At least, it was like three and some change of me. He was big. His ankles are going to give out at some point in knees. Yeah. Them if jo- he doesn't them break jo- his Them joints first. are struggling. It's like, oh, Those God! ligaments, one day they're going to be like, <laughs> Is that a fat joke? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. And uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, they it was a giant guy and then this young black chick. And they literally, they both looked at us separately a couple of times mm-hmm. and kept it moving. The lady in front of us waited a while. She left. Then I was like, surely they see this lady leave. They'll, they'll yeah, maybe, service maybe us. Maybe they'll feel bad and they'll <laughs> no. come in. Nope. And you know what no happened? Those two people, the fat guy and the, the black chick, they were both younger. And then... The lady at the drive-thru, not her job to serve, to serve us because we we were inside. She she kept turning, look, she was a little bit older, maybe in her 40s or something like that. And she even, you could tell she was trying to be polite, but also do her job. She, she, she looked back a couple of times and she goes like this to the young black girl. The black girl ignores, she, she goes like that, points at me and Scott. The black girl ignores her. She did it to the giant fat guy. He He looked and ignored us. And I was like, let's go. We don't have time for this. So you know what we did? We went where the Mexicans worked and the Colombians probably or whatever the devil they are. Mm-hmm. And we got some burritos. And you know, this is this is the kind of the moral of the story just to look at it from a positive lens because it's hard to find the positivity in something this bad. Because if, to me, it just seems like everybody in Western civilization has given up because Uncle Sam's throwing printing money like you know, the, the money printer machines just going ham. It's going to be worth dirt one day. They're 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 the, the they're going to make my kids' dollar and my grandkids' dollar worthless. And uh, mining, we're dude. seriously going to have to like Weimar Republic this stuff. We're going to be trading wheelbarrows of cash paper for like canned goods. But <laughs> the um, you know, with all of the things going on in the world, the funny thing is, is that it's the immigrants I've noticed. It's like the it's like the Asian restaurant that's privately owned by the family. It's the like mm-hmm. the Bolivian restaurant. It's mm-hmm. the the Mexican restaurant that we went to that's run by actual Mexicans. Mm-hmm. They're still going strong. They actually have good customer service. They really care about the quality of their food. They're actually prompt and on time, and they haven't changed anything. And so Z and I are always, you know volleyball on this idea back and forth and spiking it over the net, you know, it's like, hey, maybe we should invest in a business right now because customer service blows to such a degree that people are hungry for something that reminds them of pre-pandemic level service. But you know what I do notice? If you do light night... You can, you got this. If you do nightlife activities, like you go to a bar or something like that, their service is usually okay. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they mix the drinks like our friend does. Uh, he's a really good mixologist. Um, I'm not saying they, they do that, but they ask you, they're doing multiple things at one time. And I'm sure there, there are places that kind of suck, but what I've noticed is the place that are, is immigrant run. Um, 
it's a locally owned place. They usually are better. And then if it's a nightlife thing, because I feel like they're making up money that they lost all of 2020. And I think that could, might be, I, could be wrong, I think that might be the common thread too. Like if you look at the areas of our life that have become basically terrible in terms of customer service, they're almost all corporate backed or corporate owned. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the problem. If it's, if it's so big that they're still going to make money, they've pretty much given up on caring whether or not you get the service you deserve. But if it's a local business that's struggling to survive, they're going all out. So I think that just is another reason why like we need to start buying local. Yeah. It, it's just, they're the only ones who are trying to earn your dollar anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that the pandemic just kind of, um, amplified that. Well, we go, I mean, we frequent places so much that they, they kind of notice us, not to mention we're a good looking couple and, you know, like <laughs> super sexy and all of that. So I think I'm mostly looking us. at you, sweet thing. I think they just remember me. It's great. That's yeah, terrible. <laughs> Whatever. Beauty is hard. It is rough. It's Beauty a is like, because you never like can go under the radar. Like people all notice you all the time. It is hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, listen, listen, all we, we could, we could, banter about this all day long. But what we want to leave you with is a, is a couple of things. We learned a lot about the last couple of years and it's revealed a lot of things. It's unfortunately, I think a lot of people lost a lot of family and friends mm -hmm. because of their positions on COVID or the vaccine or on Trump or whatnot. I think it's separated the wheat from the chaff in terms of who has a true sense of independence, who the real freedom lovers are, mm -hmm. who the people are that are the cowards and the compliers and the people who are bullies and trolls who want to guard whatever bridge they can get a hold of, even if it's meaningless or cruel. And it's revealed the people who have true character and true heroism. And so this is something that I challenge our audience to think about as you go into this new year. Not so much your fitness goals or whether or not you're going to give up coffee or cigarettes or if you're just going to try and be a nicer person or rekindle your relationship with your mom. That's good too. Mm -hmm. But something that I think really is an overarching thing is you have a real crystalline example right now where you can actually write history and see it being written. Yep. And you can be a part of it. You can be one of those people who walks into the store without a mask and you can set an example. You can be one of those people who decides, no, I'm not gonna comply with this madness. Mm -hmm. You can be one of those people who doesn't give up at their job and actually tries to offer something like 2019, 2018 level customer service. Even these small little examples now are almost heroic by virtue of the fact that everybody else has given up completely. So if you can live a courageous life now in these small little ways and set an example, you may end up being a famous photograph in some kid's textbook, some sociology textbook 100 years from now when they're studying how everybody could have undergone this mass formation psychosis. And you'll be this high gloss famous photo of being the one lady who went into the grocery store without a mask surrounded by masked patrons giving her this evil eye like she's infected. And they will look at you and say, be like her in the future. Don't make the mistake of the rest. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's that famous picture that we were talking about in Germ Nazi Germany during the rally where there's that one guy kind of angrily crossing his arms as Hitler's talking while everyone else is throwing up the salute. Well, that guy ended up in the gulags, man. He ended up dead in the death camps. Right. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say gulag. That's Soviet Union. But you get the idea. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going through something that maybe isn't that extreme in everybody's day to day life. But if you're getting canceled right now. If people are pressuring you in your job, if people are pulling you out of the workplace because you won't comply with the vax mandates, if you're in a position now where you're getting mobbed on Twitter or social media, you're getting hate from friends and family and people that you thought were your friends, you're over the target. You're doing the right thing. Yep. Stand strong because you're gonna see it through. I, I 
you know, have faith in God, stand by your principles no matter what, because right now you are setting a living example. You are the freedom fighter. Mm -hmm. You are the hashtag resistance, yep. right? You actually get to go down in history, even if it's only in your small community and in the memory of your family and friends, as the person who stood up and said no. A lot of people think they're that person, but they're not. And last year simply proved that. It proved how small a number of people are actually willing to do the right thing. Now you see that, you have another opportunity to go through this year, to go into this year armed and prepared mentally, physically, and emotionally, and spiritually, hopefully, to do the right thing no matter what. And maybe you could be the change that actually needs to incur in your social circle, in your world. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. Somebody's got to draw the line. You know, we think about the the gentleman you were talking about that ended up dying in the in the camps. I mean, he he drew the line, but just a little critique on the the hero. Maybe he drew he should have drawn the line sooner. Maybe he did and just didn't have enough. enough well, he numbers. was he was a member of the Nazi Party because he actually agreed with it initially, and then when he met a Jewish woman and fell in love and got married, that's when he drew the line. Yeah, so maybe he should have drawn the line a lot sooner. Maybe even before he met his wife. So right now we're not at Nazi level. Jewish Jews are being killed. Yeah. Scott, how are you gonna take my my whole thing? I was saying I was. If you keep I going, gonna, it's better. It's better if you keep going. But I was just I was <laughs> he took it. I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> I love you. Don't be mad. Listen, y'all. I'm gonna have to repair the damage of this relationship right now because she's pissy. But we love you guys. We want you to go into this year feeling invigorated, encouraged, and. Now you're just hamming it up. And we want you guys to think to yourselves, am I a coward or am I a crusader? And it, the difference is right there for you to see. And it can be just as simple as who's wearing a mask and who's not. Yep. Who's taking care of themselves and living their life and not complying with the ridiculous, obscene mandates, with not complying with the social pressure, speaking out at your school board. You can be the resistance and you can actually stand for something good and you can actually make a discernible difference in your world. So be the crusader if you can. Mm -hmm. And if you know that you're a coward, at least now you know what the line is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, got any last words for him? No last words. Okay. Except grow some balls. Grow some balls, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right. Well, on that, we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can always go to TU Conservative for a membership and subscribe. Mm -hmm. $10 a year. Again, ceremonial. It's just to keep the lights running. And to let us know that you love what we do and you want us to continue, you can also pop into Adul and Rahim's shows. You can get David Hensley with the Hensley Report. And how's Clarence doing these days? He's doing great. Good. He's back. He's getting healthy. That's yeah. excellent. Clarence Thomas. And um, you have... Clarence Henderson, Clarence darn Henderson. It. I don't know why I do that. Sorry. It's famous <laughs> folks. They mix together. And, and, of course, the Two America Show. You can follow us. We have our own program. And uh, one thing I wanted to clarify before we leave is that we do have our own social media. We have our own um, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we have our own YouTube channel. But we only release small promotional material on that. A lot of people will go to our show, you know, see our shows or want to see our videos and everything. They'll go to Two Americas. And they'll be like, well, where's all the content at? It's because it's under the TUC channel. So you got to go to the Urban Conservative on YouTube if you want to see the full videos. In any case, we love you all. We will see you next week. See ya. Bye now.